Yeah, well, yeah, first podcast. There you yeah. go. Had a number of interviews and stuff, but this first oh, yeah. podcast. I At least it's you. not live. For another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And we're back with another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. Kenny here, and I've got my co-host, Matt Evans, today. Matt, you doing all right? Doing well, Kenny. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, so we're getting you on, uh, getting your getting your feet wet now, right? You're almost a, you're a pro at this point. About knee-deep at this point, yeah, Kenny. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're, we're doing something interesting today. It's a, yet another stop on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. I have to give a shout-out to Adam Johnson for getting me hooked up with our uh, guest today. And we are not drinking bourbon at the moment, right? We're actually drinking beer because it's one of the only places on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail that uh, you get to see not only bourbon, but beer being made as well. I think it's a pretty interesting thing. It's two for one special. Yeah. So you get a little bit more bang for your buck when you do go visit here. Uh, And so I think that's a a good intro for for our guest today. So we have Mark Kaufman. Mark is the master distiller at Alltech Brewing, or as many of you may better know, as the home of Town Branch Bourbon. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Glad to be with you guys today. So, I guess did I get your did I get your title correct? Are you master distiller or also a master brewer? Or master you- distiller and uh, chief engineer so for you, the corporation. There you go. So, you get a little bit a lot, and I think I think that's a, a, a better way to kind of start off is um, before we get into about you um, before we get out the bourbon. Uh, talk about what all tech is, um, just so people aren't thinking like oh. They have no idea what what we're what we're kind of setting the, the scenario here for. Okay, well, Alltech started as a company in 1980 by uh, Dr. Pierce Lyons, and he was here in the United States. He transferred over from England, 
and Ireland uh, to develop some business here in ethanol technologies, mostly for support for the stilling, both for uh, fuel ethanol and beverage uh, alcohol. So uh, he decided to go off on his own in 1980, and he developed Alltech. In the early days of Alltech, even when I came in 1986, most of our business, about 80% of it, was for the ethanol business. Uh, we sold a lot of yeast into the industry, a lot of enzymes, and some services that went into it. He also seen an opportunity there to diversify the company and take some of the peaks and valleys out of the, the market that the ethanol business has and diversified into natural nutritional supplements for animals, mostly for performance animals. That'd be like cows, uh, horses, poultry, aquaculture, and right now that's our core competency of the, the business itself. And we probably have sales in 128 countries around the world. Um, net revenues close to $4 billion, and now we've got uh, 4,500 employees worldwide. But when I started in 1986, I was a 19th employee. So give us the idea of, of the, the grander scale of what Town Branch and the brewery is to Alltech in general, just so people understand that the size of, of Alltech. Okay. Just to give you an idea, Alltech, you know, is closing on $4 billion in sales, where the Alexan Brewing Distilling Company probably has revenues that's maybe one-tenth of one percent of that. So it's relatively small. And uh, we, we happened across uh, an opportunity to buy the Lexington Brewing Company in 1999 when they were closing their doors. It was a small little micro brew, brewery at that time. They ran into some financial difficulties. Um, so one thing led to another. Pierce decided to buy it. Uh, funny story there, he had called me one Sunday afternoon while I was watching football in October, and he says, tomorrow go on out to Lexington Brewing Company, take a look around, we might buy those tanks out there. You know, we're always needing tanks for, for whatever we're doing down here at headquarters. I said, okay, but can we do it this afternoon? I said, I'm heading to Mexico City in the morning, be gone all week. He says, ah, let me call you back. One thing led to another, we ended up down here, both of us, looked around, and uh Met with uh, Bill Ambrose, one of the owners, and uh, struck a deal that evening. We bought the brewery, all the equipment, had a bottling line from 1940s, came out of Shinling Brewing Company. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a building across the way we leased it because uh, we didn't have any place to store the equipment. We had a lot going on at the time. So one thing led to another. We uh, have an annual symposium every year, and that symposium is where we bring in nutritionists from around the world. And uh, we said, shoot, we've got the brewery. We've got the experience on staff. We had a number of uh, brewmasters from Dave Kelsall, Mark Phipps, a uh, number of guys that were in the business that were now on our ethanol side. And uh, said, why don't we make beer for the symposium? So we did. It was well-received. That was Kentucky Ale when we first started making it. And uh, that, that was a jumpstart getting into the beer business. Awesome. So let's kind of shift gears and talk about you for a second, right? So, so how did you come into Alltech? And then we'll talk about your lead-in as into becoming Master Distiller and if, if bourbon had any influence on your life uh, before, you know, Alltech. Okay. Well, uh, I, ca I came into Alltech in 1986. They were looking to expand their maintenance department. Uh, my background is uh, I grew up in northwest Indiana. I was born in Gary. Uh, lived six years in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, Urbandale, Iowa, just outside of Des Moines. And uh, went to trade school there for uh, building trades. 
So, you know, getting out of college there in the early 80s, uh, interest rates were through the roof. And needless to say, the building industry was non-existent. Very little was happening. So took off and dad, my dad got me a job up in Chicago working with a research and development facility. And I picked up a lot of mechanical and electrical experience at that time there. Well, that led in to the experience leading into me getting a position at Alltech with my electrical background. So hired on in July, 1986. So you can add that up 30 years this month. I've been with the company. And uh, you think you're going to have a trophy on your desk. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. <laughs> I'll, I'll drink a beer for you. <laughs> drink, yeah. drink a couple. Yeah. Here's your six pack. So, uh, you know, I, I've been involved with most of the, the corporate expansions over the years. Then uh, when, the expand, when the opportunity came up to buy the Lexham Brewing Company in 99, I've been involved with that purchase. I've been involved with the brewing of that operation. You know, but going back a little bit further back, I worked a lot with fermentation and designs and installations. And fermentation, if you're making lactic acid bacteria, you find out real fast what your sanitary standards are. So even though you're not tasting th this bacteria, it doesn't take much for contamination to take over and it, and it well, knocks out a whole batch. So having that experience for six, seven years before we got into the brewery was, was a good stepping stone. As you know, having a brewery, you can't have contamination. So it, it was a easy transition at that point to, to learn more of the brewing. And we, we offer a lot of classes. There's always a lot of education with Alltech, still is. We sponsor a number of MSC programs. We just started up one with Western Kentucky University, just opened up a small brewery there. So, so we're heavily invested in education and furthering that. So, but, but me being involved in the brewery from day one was, was beneficial to where it's led into right now. Because once Pierce called me on a Sunday afternoon in February of 08, he says, Mark, I want to put two stills in, in the brewery. I says, okay, where? He says, I don't worry about where. That's tomorrow's problem. <laughs> so it's okay. Uh, so expect a call or something tomorrow from Richard Forsythe because he happened to be in Scotland. He had met with him. So Richard calls me the next morning at 8 o'clock. And he says, Mark, he says, this is Richard. And uh, I was talking to Pierce. He says, yeah, I know. Pierce called me and gave me an update yesterday. And uh, he says, you'll have me a price. He said, about, about eight, ten months off for getting some stills. So he says, well, I was talking to the guys this morning, and he says, I said, Richard, we've got two stills sitting out back. Such and such hasn't paid on these stills for months. I said, they're basically ours to do what we want. So I said, Richard, what does that mean for us? He says, it means, Mark, you come up with a check, and we can finish them up, and we can have them over to you. I says, well, how soon can we get them? He says, we'll ship them out in six weeks. You have, hopefully have them the 1st of May. We did. We received them the 1st of May. We installed them that next three months in our brew house. And at that point, uh, got everything ready to start the still in September 1st of 08. That's how we got into the stilling business. And so is, did you have a lot of experience with bourbon before then, or was it kind of just like you get thrown to the wolves a little bit? Well, I'd say you get thrown to the wolves, but I've, that's what's unique about this company is that— They want you to kind of fail to succeed sort of thing? Yeah, but we don't fail. <laughs> That's a good, good way to look at things. Yeah, yeah it, it's it, the opportunity was there. I mean, there's there's a lot of support. 
with that support from, from your peers and from the people in the industry, you can pull into that pretty easy. Um, so, so I wouldn't say there, there's never a point of failure, but there, there isn't time to think about it, I guess is the key. Mm-hmm. You don't think about the failure. You don't think about what could go wrong. So you just jump in and you start doing it. Did you uh, look to anybody else within the bourbon industry for kind of a initial guidance, or was this all kind of based on your own personal experience with bourbon? Well, a lot of it was based on our own personal experience in the industry, and we have a lot of contacts all the way throughout. Um, but most in Kentucky at the time, no one was doing pot stills, right. and that's that's really where it gets a little bit more intriguing in what you have to do. With with that, you know, fermentation's fermentation. As long as you're getting the, the grist the right size, all your mills cutting everything the right size, and since we're a laudering process, everything goes through the brew house, it's more critical to have that nice bed in there so you can filter out the, the sweet wort. So once you get th- that criteria done, fermentation, we're using our own yeast that we manufacture in Serbia at our yeast facility there. It's a yeast that we've designed. It's specifically designed for distillers. Um, that was straightforward, be able to do that. But when it came down to distilling itself, we did rely on some of our uh, colleagues mm-hmm. in Ireland. One fellow named Roy Court, another guy, Henry Cockburn from Scotland. Uh, they were very instrumental in, in tuning in the distillation process. I think, uh, you know, you'd already mentioned your stills, and I think it's, it's, worth, it's worth talking about a little bit, right? Because most of the distillers we talk to, they get them. And by the way, for anybody that doesn't know, Alltech and Town Branch is in Lexington, which is about an hour and a half down the road from Louisville. And most most distilleries, they get their their stills from Vendome, which is located right there in Louisville, these, these copper stills that everybody's kind of always talked about for years, uh, but you didn't. So I guess kind of talk about the difference in, in the pot stills that you have that are imported directly from Scotland uh, and, and maybe some of the, the taste variants that you would, you would get uh, that would be different than what people else are, are, are doing. Coming so, out of a column still, right? Which is a yeah. different maintenance as well. Yeah, they're far different birds altogether. Uh, well, with, with, with the pot stills, you have some aspects into it that you're relying more on reflux from based on the design of the still itself. It could be the height of your lion, height of your swan's neck. It could be the pitch or diameter of your lion's arm before it gets the condensers. All those things factor in, and the more reflux you get back into it, uh, creates more uh, clearing or cleansing of of the flavor profile. So. In many aspects, a column still does that as you're going through the trays. As you're going, every tray you go up, you get more of that cleansing, more of that reflux, more of the material coming back down, clarifying that that uh, the distillate that's going up through there or the vapor going up through there. So there, there are a lot lot to it. But when you come to uh, economies, you know, probably my opinion, five thousand liter pot stills about as big as you want to get for a pot still and still keep your cost down. Now, when you get beyond that, you really probably want to be going to a column still. Those costs become more attractive to still in at that point there. But you got an interesting story to tell you about the pot stills. You know, you know Pierce was in uh, Scotland, and he had called me, said he met with Richard once he bought some pot stills. Um, by all means, he would rather seen about putting the stills in from a local company. And, uh, but the stills were available. 
at, at Forsyth. You know, we got them. You know, it was February. We received them May first. That's six six weeks on the water. That, that kind of turnaround time is kind of unheard of, it, right? It, it's, it was unheard of back in two thousand eight, and it's not near as bad as it is right now. Now, granted, uh, the fellows at Vendome weren't very happy about about the decision that we made. Um, and I understand that because we had worked with them for about 30 years at Vendome. Mm. Uh, but when the opportunity came, we decided to put a distillation system in Ireland in 2012. We reversed that. So, <laughs> so you, you kind of shipped we ordered it, some, across these, right? Yeah. yeah. So we ordered some stills from Vendome. Boom, shot them over to Ireland, and we're operating there. And, and since we've ordered some more stills with Vendome, too, on our new expansion that we're going to do in Pikeville, Kentucky. Talk about that new expansion real quick before we, we dive into the next topic, since you, you brought that up. Okay, we, we've got a, we, we're looking at some emphasis into what we can do to help out Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky has been decimated by high unemployment, very little opportunity. So... We thought, well, what would happen if we were one of the first people to go into eastern Kentucky and put in a still, a distillation system, and a brewery with more emphasis not only on the production and employment, but also to bring visitors in. Is you're bringing visitors in, it helps support other businesses with your restaurants and hotels in the area too. So that, that's where we started this about two years ago. Now we're well on our way. Uh, they've, they've finished up the foundations. They're putting up steel right now. Uh, we're hoping it'll start up about early springtime next year. Uh, so we'll be opened up in business. Uh, we'll be producing beer there, a uh, number of different beers, similar to what we do here. Mostly it'd be for the local market there, but also we're, we're still thinking about what ideas we might want to do with uh, the distillation systems. If we want to do something more unique over there or carry on the same with some more uh, bourbons, we're not sure yet. Competing with the local moonshiners? Yeah, well, that, <laughs> it's a little tough to compete with the local moonshiners since we're having to pay taxes. On the legal side of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, uh, infusing uh, that economic life into that area would be a, a very huge boom for yeah. the for the locals. And we're, we're taking the first step, and we're hoping other companies will do the same thing. You know, you could, you could look at something like what they've done in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, 40 years ago. And what it's turned out to be right now, someone took that stuff and started expanding these other businesses that brought more tourism in. So we're hoping we can do the same thing in that area. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com bourbon.
If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So I want to talk about the uh, the town branch name for a bit. Like, what was the uh, the idea behind the name, and what are the, what are the roots really behind it? When we decided to, to put up the stills in our brewery, we had no idea what to call a bourbon once once it came to maturity. Now, like I said, we started the stilling in 08. Most of our distill at that time was a malt whiskey. Um, similar to a scotch, like the Highland side, or a little bit of Irish, a little bit. But um, we also know that knew that we needed to have a bourbon because this is the heart of bourbon country. And since we're producing one of the biggest selling beers in the area, is Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale, and we rely on all these fresh bourbon casts from a lot of the distilleries in the area, we, we needed to make that bourbon to support the business too. So. As it, as it's a good things, excuse. Yes, yeah, it's a good excuse. So, so as things started to, to, to mature and we're getting closer to a, a point in um, 2011, we said, you know, we have to come up with a name with this pretty soon. Now, going back, we we're looking at some history of Lexington. Well, you know, what did they do? Well, here we are, a quarter mile from the distillery district, where at one time you had the largest bourbon manufacturer there at the Old Pepper Distillery. And then you had Old Tar Distillery, and all these were relying on a small waterway that Lexington was founded on. And this little waterway is called Town Branch. So, in essence, we, we thought, well, this would be an ideal, ideal opportunity for us to put that founding water's name on our brand. So that's how it came to be. That, that is, and that's a good little uh, fact and tidbit that we we actually, me and Matt, on the, we were on the way here today, and you know we had read we had read that Town Branch was the first distillery to open uh, from the old James E Pepper Distillery back in 1958. And I was I was looking over and I was like I was like Does that make sense? I was like it, it, I thought it would have been Woodford. Woodford was there because I know that was the old other old Pepper Distillery. And he had to get on his phone and look, and he was like Oh no no. That's the Oscar Pepper Distillery, not the, not the old Jamesy Pepper. So yeah. we had to we had to use Google a little bit. To what make would we do without happen. Google? <laughs> I was surprised that this uh, being in Lexington that it's the first distillery to open its doors since 1958. I would have thought that yeah. um, there would have been something along the way, but no. Lexington had been pretty sleepy in that aspect, and you know, the craft beer movement started moving along slowly in the 1990s. Uh, really started to pick up a lot of steam in the last 10 years. I think there's five breweries now in town. Now uh, there's uh, at least two, uh, possibly a third distillery, small micro distillery in Lexington now too. Well, as Kenny mentioned at the top of the show, uh, one of the really cool, unique aspects of of this here is that it's a brewery slash distillery. So, how much crossover? is there between the two in terms of grain use, in terms of um, resources, knowledge? Well, it's unique in that if you look at both businesses, when you start from the raw material side all the way through the end of fermentation, they're very close to the same operation. 
we are we do use a lottering system, so we do use when we're making our distilled spirits, we're using our brew house. The only thing on the brew house we don't use is the kettle. In the kettle on the beer operation, you use that for evaporation, sterilization, and you know, also your hop additions, where you don't have to have that for the whiskey operation. So we use that that's that's shared equipment and it's shared resources at that time. Also with our Kentucky ale, we use a pale ale malt, malted barley. We use that same malted barley for our distilled spirits too. And you know, all three of our, both our rye, our bourbon, and our Pierce Lions Reserve. So there's a lot of those energies, they work together. But then after fermentation, it's whether you go to filtration and carbonation for beer or you go on to distillation. So that's the, at that point, it's, it's separate. I'm, I guess during that, during that period, are you guys tasting it and then maybe deciding like, oh, this is going to be beer, or this is going to be bourbon, or is it no. kind of like, this is, this is, we already know exactly no, what's going to happen. No, the, uh, we, we know before we get started what, what we're going to be producing. Uh, usually the, the cereal uh, mixtures are quite different at that point. Uh, now, I have taken a, a beer that hasn't been quite up to quality, had a little bit off flavor, and we've distilled that. Yeah, I don't know what we'll call it, hmm. a Kentucky Ale beer spirit. I'm not sure, but, <laughs> but what we do have some couple of those in barrels right now, see how that turns out. Well, and I think one uh, distinct advantage you all have is uh, when you dump your brown water, you take it right over to the brewery and, and put your bourbon barrel stout into that for extra aging. Is that correct? On our, uh, when we're, we're talking about the Kentucky bourbon barrel ale. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the bourbon barrel ale, once we were dumped with our bourbon, and we use our other distillers too, because we're going through nearly a 1,000 barrels a week coming in and going out just to make Kentucky bourbon barrel ale. Uh, when we, when we uh, dump our bourbon, it goes right into the beer operation. Uh, we'll put our Kentucky Ale into it. It's the same Kentucky Ale that, that you drink right now in the bottle or on the keg. The only thing changes is after six weeks, it picks up those nice flavors. It picks up 2% more alcohol. All this was absorbed from the what that the Scots would call the end drink, what the liquid that's left still within the wood. Mm-hmm. And it absorbs that in it for six weeks. Then after it comes off of that, we filter it, carbonate it, and we bottle and keg it. Now, now if we're making Pierce Lions Reserve, we'll use that barrel a third time. So the beer comes out of it. After that aging process, we'll give it a quick rinse. Then we'll put our malt whiskey into it for aging. So I guess uh, a good question, maybe maybe you're a little bit biased, right? Because uh, you got Ken Lee, who's the other master brewer and brewer manager here. And uh, we had met other one other individual uh, who's also a master brewer. But in your opinion, what's more fun, beer or bourbon, when it comes to the, the <laughs> making process? That, that, that's a tough one. I, I have to honestly say it really depends on my mood. <laughs> it's like your kids. Which kid's your favorite? It yeah, depends on the mood. It depends who hasn't made me mad that day. <laughs> that's so. right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I, I enjoy a good beer, and I enjoy a good spirit. I like bourbon a lot. Um, but there are some days, you know, if you're out mowing the lawn and it's hot, like this past weekend, um, I'm going to have a, a nice cold Kentucky Kolsch. It, it quenches the thirst nice. So I guess that, that also kind of leads into some of the other jobs that you do, right? Because uh, we had mentioned before we started recording is that you're, you do a lot of travel as well. Um, you know, you do a lot of cool things such as judging beer competitions. Uh, kind of talk about that as, as just a perk of the job or is that just kind of like, uh, you know, it's, it kind of just comes with the territory. Well, it is a perk of the job. Uh, 
but but I'll be honest, if you're tasting beer for three days, eight hours a day, it does get a little bit old after about six hours, especially right now with the drive being with the IPAs. Uh, there's only so many IPAs you can sip on during the day. Now, granted, it's only one ounce that we're, we're tasting, but when you add six or seven of these up every hour, it just it gets a little bit too much. But but in all fairness, we're always cleaning our palate and always drinking a lot of water so that we're giving forward the best judge for that beer possible. Because people, you know, all these, these are all from independent breweries. A lot of them from around the world are sending the beer. In. And we want to be very fair with the judging on it. And, and by doing that, you need to always keep changing things. Uh, we always have groups of 20. We try to have groups of at least 20 people, and they're broken down in groups of four people most of the time. So everyone's not tasting the same beer at the same time. So, it, you know, if we're doing one sample, two tables might have it, a third or fourth table might not have it. They might have something totally different. But it is a, a nice perk of the job to be able to, to, to do a judging on the beers and taste the beers throughout the world. Uh, but I do do a lot of travel. Uh, I spent uh, eight days in May going through Southeast Asia, had three stops in China, went to Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, Bangkok, Thailand, and uh, had opportunity to go into southern Japan and uh, made a visit to Hiroshima, which is quite sobering. Sure. Uh, but, you know, but that wasn't on the beer spirit side. That was on the feed side. We're looking at new opportunities for new businesses there in well, new awesome. buildings. So I want to take it back just to the town branch just for a minute here. Um, and I guess uh, one thing we really forgot to talk about were all the different expressions that are inside of the town branch portfolio. So kind of talk about each one of those and what makes it uh, unique compared to maybe your other competitors in the market. Okay. Well, well, our portfolio on our spirit side is first one we came out with was Bluegrass Sundown. And that's an Irish coffee mix that we make ourselves. It's very similar to what you'd have as an Irish coffee mix, but with a bluegrass twist. We put bourbon in it. <laughs> so you have that for breakfast or dinner? When's well, I always say it's always good to put in a coffee cup and take it to church on Sunday there morning. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But no, it's, it's, it's a nice after-dinner drink. It's a nice drink to have on a nice, cool, rainy day. It's served hot uh, with uh, some heavy whipping cream on top, so it's very nice. What's the proof drink. on that? That only comes down to once the, you put the water into it and mix, it, it's about 7.5% alcohol. So it's, it's not too bad at all. Uh, but, but that was a product Pearson worked on when he was working for Irish distillers in the 70s. And he brought that, those ideas to refine and make a product for himself. Then after that, we have Pierce Lions Reserve. Of course, that's uh, our single malt whiskey. And we age that in our spent Kentucky bourbon barrel casks. It's got a nice malt flavor to it. Uh, it's got a little bit of sweetness, and I attribute some of that sweetness to the fresh barrels. I mean, this this is going into a barrel. You can imagine that barrel is going to be a minimum four years. It could be 15 years old, depending on where where we got it from. We use more than just our town branch bourbon, but we use some of the other local distilleries too with their their bourbons too. So after beers come out, we put this into it. It's got a real nice flavor, very comparable to a lot of Scotch and, Interesting. and uh, Irish whiskeys. So after that, we've got our town branch bourbon in a town branch bourbon. It, it's a uh, 72% corn, 15% rye, and 13% malted barley. And uh, then, then we have our our, our uh, 
Town Branch rye whiskey too. That's 55% rye, 30% corn and 15% malted barley. And what's really unique on all these, they're all very flavorful. They're all unique. They, they hit their characteristic trait for their cereal, but they're all done on a double pot still, all 100% copper. They're not a hybrid. They're just a standard Scottish-style pot still. Mm. And uh, it really lends itself to those nice characters straight through them. Well, Is there uh, anything coming down the pike as far as a single barrel or uh, barrel proof or anything that's kind of yep. hitting the markets? Lately? We've we've got out. It's very limited supply, and that's a, a town branch bourbon single barrel, and that's coming off at yep, proof strength right off the barrel. Uh, all all we do is take it out of the barrel, we put it through a small basket filter to remove the char, and we bottle it straight like that. And then also, probably within the next month, we're going to have a, a Pierce Lions Reserve single barrel also. It'd be the same criteria. So just take the char out of it. Is there a, a big push for the, the, the barrel-proof market that you're kind of seeing that people are, are wanting that, that sort of cat strength? There's a number of consumers out there that that really want that. They want it where it's not been chill filtered. They can always put their own water into it that they feel fit to, to reduce it down. But but there has been a, a, a pretty vocal demand to, to have this unique product that, that's unique to your facility. Right. I mean, I think we, we've hit on a lot of different things here. You know, we've talked about all the expressions here. You've talked about uh, the expansions that we're going through or that you're going through the the the, the new line of, of hopefully being able to see the single barrel cash rank uh, hitting a, a local store near you. Uh, other than that, what's what's the next few weeks look like for you? Because I know you're a busy man. Yeah, this this weekend I'm off to Boston and uh, uh, this trip in the next six weeks, I've got a number of trips, mostly just going out, meeting with our salespeople, meeting with our distributors, then also having pairing dinners and talks in the evening, talking about our products to the general public for those areas. Not the roughest life ever, right? <laughs> How widely distributed is uh, Town Branch? and, and the- Our spirits are in six, six states right now, but our beer is in 26 states. Uh, it, we, we follow, we have a tendency to follow our spirits following the beer market with where we are with distributors. And uh, the only reason we haven't expanded the spirits out that fast is because we don't want to oversell and not being able to keep the product on the market. So, you know, sales have been great. It sure does make a number of us nervous to see uh, see the barrels dwindle, but we're also putting more barrels in. So we try to gauge that with opening new markets with what we have available coming down the line so we can keep that shelf space out there. I was about to say, I was like, how are you dealing for that, that, that next push in the market um, when people are going to be asking for more product and you're like, well, we've got two stills where, and you, we, we, before we started recording, you said that you're already running uh, two, two 12 hour shifts. You're running 24 hours a day, uh, unless by some odd mechanism, the, the earth's rotation slows down and we get more <laughs> hours. But uh, how are you going to be able to start forecasting for uh, the next year or two and, and the demand that, that's going to be coming out? And how are you going to try to meet that demand? Well, we are forecasting that right now with, with the addition of Pikeville coming on here next spring. That'll pick up some of the load, even though it's going to be unique products for that area. But it will take care of some of the other load on the bourbon and, and the rice side uh, and we are putting together plans to see about what the possibilities are for another distillation system so that, that's in the pipework right now and hopefully it'll materialize in the next few months 
Well, hopefully out of those billions, you only need maybe one tenth of that billion to help increase everything <laughs> right from Altec. So uh, I think I think what you guys have going on here is a, is a real winning formula. Right. And I think it's it's definitely an interesting thing, you know, coming here. This is this is my first time coming to Altec and uh, checking out Town Branch uh, and actually drinking a beer for once, actually during the uh, the podcast instead of drinking bourbon. Uh, it, it's a good refreshing thing, especially when it's uh, hitting the, the, the mid 90s outside. But I also, as we mentioned at the top of the show, that when you do come here, you get an opportunity to see both sides of it, right? Uh, you kind of get two two birds with one stone. You get to see both sides of it. And not only that is uh, maybe there's a potential opportunity for other distillers to kind of see uh, the winning formula that you all have done. And, and maybe that we'll see, I don't know, some other distillery come out with their own beer because all of a sudden you guys are doing something right. And it's, it's, it's easy because I mean, maybe, maybe you can tell me if it's not easy is being able to create a beer and being able to sell it relatively more soon than uh, a bourbon per se, right? Cause bourbon's got to age. It's got to do all those things. Whereas a beer, uh, it's a, it's a relatively more quick process, right? The beer's a much quicker process. Basically, we use a rule of thumb. You could uh, mill it, have it bottled, and ready to ship out the door to your customers in 14 days. But what's critical, highly critical on beer is quality. You have to have your quality assurance in place. Everyone's got to know and has to understand there's no shortcuts in cleaning. And um, if you can capture that and you can master that art right there, you're going to make a good quality beer. Nobody wants to drink stank. No, <laughs> you don't get many sales off that. <laughs> well, good. So, Mark, I just want to say thank you again for being on the show today. Uh, it was a pleasure not only uh, coming here and uh, knocking another distillery off our list, but also meeting you and understanding more about how bourbon and beer are really ha- having that little other bit of a happy marriage here. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you guys came out. Enjoyed sharing a drink with you. Yeah. So, Matt, everybody, before I kind of close out, give everybody a plug about, uh, again, who you are and how they can follow you. Well, again, uh, I'm kind of doing a spot start for uh, Ryan here, and uh, my social media handle is at Brownwater Guy. Uh, I'm a uh, certified bourbon executive through the Staven Thief Society, and uh, just a, a bourbon enthusiast. So I'm really happy to be here with you, Kenny, and with you here, Mark, and appreciate the opportunity. No, this has been good. It's been good. Always, always great to have another eye and angle on the things that maybe I, I forgot about or anything like that. But if you do like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on all those great social media channels, uh, support us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. We have all kinds of cool giveaways and uh, things that which you can get for supporting the show. And if you have any show suggestions, people that you want us to interview, uh, you want to send us a nasty email, fine, go ahead. It's the duo, T-H-E-D-U-O at bourbonpursuit.com. Uh, we take all your comments comments to heart. And with that, we will see you next time.